climbing. Let's keep on talking. <laughs> that will be that will be something else. That will be something. Yes. Welcome, welcome to another wonderful episode of Podcasters Unleashed. And you know, we're just six podcasters from all over the world, just um discussing different topics. You know, we've done all of them, almost all of them. Where few have dared to go into, we've talked about genetic engineering. We've spoke about transhumanism. So we've spoken about lots of stuff. But today, we're talking about media biases and um, how it actually, like, shape our perspective and um, how we see our reality for some, why some don't. You know, today, joining me, my co-host here from... Um, Anyways, let's go to Paris now. Hello, Hala. Can you just introduce yourself? Hi, I'm trying to give the sun from my top. So uh, I'm the host of the podcast, Women Stories. Uh, it's a podcast about women who rose above different challenges. You can catch it on uh, different platforms. Uh, over to you, Matilda. Hello, everyone. This is Matilda, host of Coffee with Matilda, Journey to Self. And my podcast is about finding yourself, loving yourself, and coming out of adversity stronger than before. Over to you, Carla. Hey, everybody. I'm Carla, and I'm the host of the Wonder and Wellbeing podcast, which is a podcast about education and well-being. Over to you, Nelson. And hi, I'm Nelson. Nelson J. Zambrano here. I'm the host of Investing in America, where we talk about how to invest in the United States. And we also have interviews with people in the areas of high performance as well. And also putting a plug in for the upcoming book, okay, in April, called Investing in America as well. Over to you, Simon. Thank you, Nelson. I'm in London, and I'm Simon. And I have two podcasts now, thank God. Uh, the African Investor Stories was on hold, but now it's back in action. We've published my most recent episode today, so I'm quite proud and happy about that. We also have Taxi Chronicles, where we interview people as they get into the taxi. It's spontaneous, it's interesting, it's drama, it's conspiracy, there's love, hate, there's everything in there, even murder. So, feel free to tune in. Back to you, Victor. Yes. <laughs> I'd be scared um, of getting into that Uber. Murder? <laughs> I'd be scared <laughs> of getting into that vehicle. Yeah, and, um, you know, if this is your first time of joining us, um, don't forget to like, subscribe, and um, very important, share, because that's how you spread the word of our conversation. You know, and today we'll be talking about, um, like I said, media biases. Do we, do we as a people have a right, you know, that right, that God-given right of our own intelligence, our independence to fact check what is being thrown at us. Do we have the right to do that? If we go against what the mainstream media is talking about, are we being, you know, are we going against the honestness or are we going against the beingness? Is it right for us to like fact check what is being like given to us as the gospel from the mainstream media? That is what we'll be talking about today. And, um, you know, starting off, starting off with this, I would like to well, just open it up for you guys as uh, as our audience. Have you ever have you trusted your local source media? Have you, have you trusted your local media before? Hundred percent. Are they trustworthy? Do you really like? Oh yeah, these guys look authentic. Have you checked under the hood? If you've not, just let us know and um, join the conversation. 
as we move <laughs> along. So uh, my first question today is going to be Nelson. Yeah. And uh, with regards to the world, the media biases, media biases, and um, the puppet masters. So Nelson, what are media biases? Okay. Well, first of all, thank you. And you just did it right there. Puppet masters, right? So media biases could be described as kind of a big picture. There's media bias, which is favoring one group over another, okay? favoring one group over another um, and or skewing the information, right? To report on one group or one incident. So that, that is a start of it. There's the other side of it, which is like the cousin, the worst cousin, which is yellow journalism. And yellow journalism is the extreme. That's where you sensationalize things. So, for example, uh, in U.S. history, it was uh, they sunk the main when we got into the Spanish-American War with Spain. We had a ship in Cuba, a battleship. It mysteriously sunk. And we blamed uh, they. Who was they? Spain. So it galvanized the U.S. to go to war with Spain. Okay, so there's media bias, which is the kind of leaning this way or leaning that way. And then there's yellow, yellow journalism, which is the extreme on the extreme end. The graphic pictures, the huge article, the sensationalizing headline. Um, so, you know, that's all the way across. And believe it or not, you just did it. The puppet masters. So that's a little bit of a bias right there. We're making the assumption that there's this mysterious conspiracy out there. So unconsciously, we even do it ourselves when talking. Over to you, Victor. Yeah, Simon, you know, nursing just like, um, nursing just, nursing is trying to box me in with the puppet master talk. But we need to know about the origin of actual news. He mentioned yellow news. Can you just tell us the origin about actual news, the package news? Okay. Well, the news, the word news actually comes from the French word, which is also combined into a German word, is nuance. And that actually dates back to the 14th century. And basically, um, during that time, you would say the news is information about current events. Um, so whether the king has dared or whatever, and if we, it was transported through word of mouth, printing uh, when they had obviously the old scrolls and they was writing along that side of things. And then obviously as time goes on, we're going into postal systems and then broadcasting and electronic means to where we are today. There's also other forms of news if we go back in time where you've got testimony. Someone said, yes, I was at the Battle of Hastings and I saw him shot in the eye. Um, and there's, which combines with witnessing. And then you have the first paper form of news, which goes back to 2400 BC before Christ, where it was put on papaya um, paper and it was sent via horse rider to another part of the kingdom and they would tell. Now, if we jumped to back to the Middle Ages, you had the town crier who would also be going, hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. Um, the king is dead or the queen has had a baby or everybody needs to pay their taxes and those kind of things. But that, in essence, is the history of the news to date. Yeah, when you mentioned hear ye, hear ye, I remember, I remember um, in my, my grandma, my great-grandma, you know, when we were in the village in Nigeria, we had the town crier. And those guys were held in very high esteem. 
that whatever they say is, if they don't say it, whatever, even the king, what the king says might be the law, but what, what people go by is what the town crier says. Now, imagine, okay, let me not imagine because I'm just an independent guy today. But imagine, um, Hala, uh, Nelson mentioned media bias. Yeah, Nelson has defined media biases. And um, I know you are one of, <laughs> yeah, you always like controversial stuff, just independently. You like to like check stuff. But what do you think are the problems with these biases? Do you think they mean well or there's, a, there's always the puppet master behind them? I think we need always to check who controls this narrative because when you know the sources and who controls the narrative, you understand who is behind it. For example, you can go to the history in America. You have a mockingbird operation that was done by the CIA during the Cold War and they were trying to manipulate the media for propaganda purposes. And it has been exposed uh, in the 70s where uh, they have been caught up uh, buying and putting under contract over 3,000 journalists Americans so they can feed Americans some narrative and they will be uh, supportive for the CIA so everything CIA needs for example America would support Americans would support go to wars and uh, say, well, let's let's bomb that country. Let's go to war. And this narrative has been um, for years and years in America. And you, we don't understand actually the depth of these people who control the narrative. Uh, and actually, when we are in a country like that, when we hear a lot of stuff, a lot of narrative, we don't. Sometimes we don't actually question that. And I think. Uh, everyone needs to do their own critical thinking and understand the history, understand what's happened. And that Operation Mockingbird is not like a new thing that happened. Like it's, it's been years and years it's happened there. And you can search for it, the Operation Mockingbird. Um, it's, it's an example. Uh, there are also other narrative, for example, in Morocco, where you have, for example, the media is controlled by the king. So anything, you won't see anything against the king so and no one could say something against it so and you also have for example neutral media where you don't have any any agenda and um, unfortunately now in Europe for example uh, and a, a lot of parts of the world you see the media is controlled by big pharma too so I think people need really to do the research and understand who really control the narrative yeah, I I could I could relate with um, with the Morocco one, or maybe Nancy can tell us about um, the Mockingbird thing, you know. But um, well, I want to tell it, everybody that we are sponsored by the CIA podcasters unleashed. Uh, we're all <laughs> <laughs> yeah, an official sponsor is it official or unofficial sponsor? I need well, my cut, so I haven't got yeah. my. Cut yet. <laughs> we're waiting for that <laughs> check. Yeah, and right, check right. it comes through you. <laughs> 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 the check has not arrived. The check yeah. has not arrived. 
You know, because in, in, in Nigeria we have we, we have um because of the way democracy has landed for us, we've been having slews of uh, military dictatorship coming through. So we have our national broadcaster, which is the Nigerian uh, National Television Authority, NTA, and everything that comes out from that media is seriously from the government. So does that happen in the U.S., Nelson? Well, that's a good question. Um, so when you're looking at media, especially the U.S., do you have media bias? Of course you have. But media bias or media in the U.S. is a lot like going to a buffet line, right? People go to their favorite place on the buffet line. Now, some people will go to media that is going to reinforce what they already know. So they pretty much know it's bias. They're going there for reinforcement. And then you have other channels or outlets where it's about as neutral as possible. They're going to have opposing, view, opposing, opposing viewpoints on the same channel. So it's difficult to say, is the media bias in the U.S.? It depends on what channel, what media channel, what media outlet a person goes to. If you go to what's National Public Radio, that's about as unbiased as can be. It'll have one side very in-depth, and then they'll flip and give the opposing viewpoint. So it, it all it all depends. It all depends. And we have a comment here from uh, Alderwood. Today, I'm the comment lady. <laughs> okay, so uh, George is here. Thank you, George, for tuning in. As always, you're one of our biggest fans. And uh, I see a new person joining us today. His name is um, Aldi. 1k and please join us by just sharing your uh thoughts and um we're gonna have a conversation here just text just message us and then uh we have mike tom he is saying um genetics topics we need to have conversation about this topic in the world i guess he lacked our genetic topics last time well, we have uh, we have different topics every week, so tune in, Mike, uh, for different topics every week. And then we have uh, Nantan Andy. I think she's he is from Nigeria. In Nigeria, you have poverty and AIDS. Mainstream media should be the list of your worries. Um, like average IQ is eighty. Okay, moving forward. I don't know. I'm not sure if he's from Nigeria, but um, moving forward. Yeah. Do you, um, Carla or Simon, both of you guys have different experiences in the UK. Do you think there's any uh, mainstream media bias in England or the United Kingdom? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> I think it's actually... It is actually very difficult to avoid bias. I think in the style of news, what we call news now, as Simon mentioned earlier, news used to primarily revolve around factual information that was beneficial to people in the local context. But because we have um, this mass media now um, and 
Also, we have a lot of sensationalism and people like to be entertained even when they're getting their facts. I think that that also contributes to this massive rise in um, biased media. So it's very difficult actually to find an example of unbiased media, which is what you realize when you're trying to find an example of biased media, that's all you find. You just find because unless you, I think the fast news style as well, where um, there was an era where journalists took to Twitter and it was all about who got things out first. And obviously, when you're getting things out first, you're just typing the first things that are coming into mind or the first things that are going to get loads of hits and that's going to go viral. You're not really thinking about reporting the facts because that takes time. It takes research. Um, you know, long form journalism, for example, where you go and dig into a situation, look at all sides, maybe interview people that can take months, if not years. And that's probably um, less biased. Um, but in the era of fast news and the era where there are so many journalists and so many influences, I think unbiased um, reporting and unbiased news is very, very rare. Um, and if it is out there, it only tends to focus on the facts that are known um, to that individual or to that group, which, again, is still biased. Um, because unless you've got a full and rounded picture of any situation, it's impossible to be unbiased. Um, because Nelson pointed out late earlier that it's bias is about being inclined to um, a prejudice for or against one person or one group in a way that might be unfair or unbalanced. Um, but that would be an inevitable outcome if you hadn't looked into things from all around. Um, so I, I think it's there's most of what we see is unbiased. Um, and also Nelson pointed out earlier about the way that we use bias in our own speech or the way we reveal bias. I think it's it's just a part of the way that we communicate now. All right, cool. Um, Simon, do you have any experience? Um, have you caught any actual, you know, tale, tall tales by the mainstream media? Yeah, well, I've been in the military and I've seen lies about what we do overseas, blatantly about what's happened. Also, I've been in living in London most of my life and I've seen lies about what happened, whether it's a, a, a riot or because some we was un, mistreated or there's something unjust and certain things like that. So um, I can see, I can I don't trust the military, sorry, I don't trust the, the news, not all news, but there's, I look at it like this, when I listen to the news, I think, what is their agenda? As in, why would they be telling me this story? And as a journalist said one time, it's not about what they tell you, it's about what they don't tell you. So if I take a segment out of that story, the story will be seen in a different way to what it really is. So, you know, we've got to look along that lines of things. All right, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, so um, moving forward, see, we know that we have unintended consequences. Nelson, what do you think are the un unintended consequences or, yeah, unintended consequences when it comes to these, these um, the outcome of these um, narratives? Well, I mean, the first thing is you're going to have a loss of trust. <clears throat> you know, uh, you're going to have disinformation being spread out. Uh, you're going to have that. Um, the second thing, 
is something wrong, I guess. We, um, we are hacked. Yes, we are hacked. So I'm really sorry for the inconvenience, but we have technical problems and we got hacked. We are trying to figure out how to block. Yes, we are hacked, uh, guys. We are hacked. And uh, I don't know how to resolve it. Hold, hold on, hold on. Yeah, uh, we're having some, technical, we're having some technical difficulties. Okay, um, and we, we are, are back hacked. live. We are having we are, technical difficulties. It's not technical difficulties. We are hacked. <laughs> Someone is calling our stream yard. Do you get it? Uh, so. Yes. Um, the good thing is with, um, how is it called? It's official. We have our first hackers. And our tech support, our tech support team in the background has taken care of it. Victor, you were saying, yeah. So I was saying about unintended consequences of these mainstream narratives. Okay. So, so what happens is is that it can unduly influence a group. It can cause a loss of trust in and how people receive information. It can cause confusion as well. So you, you have all those things happening. And I just want to add in something else is remember, the news is not static. So it's like the old saying, Simon, I've heard you, I'm sure you've heard this. The first report is almost always wrong, right? Because these places, they're trying to uh, get information out. They're racing amongst each other. So the first piece of news that comes out, you know, even if it's not uh, biased, it, it's going to have a lot of holes in it. Then second, third, fourth, fifth report that comes in, it, it's it's more well-rounded out. And that's in as a place that has less bias. There's always some kind of a bias, but that's a less biased kind of news. Victor, back to you. Okay, good. Yeah. Um see. How do we how do we this is for Carla now? No, yeah. How do we identify, you know? These unintended consequences of what Nelson just spoke about now. How do we how do we identify its effects? I think really it's about um, the outcome of it in the discussion. So, for example, if you have a, a media article that's biased, uh, I remember very early on uh, during the the outbreak, the COVID outbreak, um, there was some reporting here in the UK that black people and certain people of certain backgrounds are more likely to get COVID, things like that. Um, once that goes out there, the people who don't like to find out information and just expect or don't have time will latch onto it and take it as a fact. And they will forget that it's just the perspective of the reporter. And they, they won't ask questions like, where did the person get that information from and kind of dig through and have a look. And the effects of that is then people then start to spread it before they've checked if it's real or if it's factual or what perspective it's coming from. How true is it? That's the question, isn't it? Is, is it true? And if it's true, how true? And from and then there are lots of other critical thinking questions. Um, if you don't do that and you just start sharing it and spreading it, the effects of that can be they can vary from just misinformation, which is a big buzzword at the moment, spreading around and confusing people to bigger problems like racial uh, issues. Um, and I, I was in a discussion with somebody um, who brought that up as a fact um, and used it as a justification for why people should get vaccinated, um, why a person from a certain background should get vaccinated, 
uh, well, aren't those people the ones that are spreading COVID? Uh, and I was like, well, no, actually, because if you look at the percentage of those people in the world, and then you look at how many COVID cases there are globally, stands to reason that it can't be that group of people that are spreading it. And those people aren't going to China, are they? So you can say, well, uh, Jamaican people or Asian people in the UK are spreading COVID, but are they spreading it in Italy? Are they spreading it in Spain? Are they spreading it in Russia? Are they spreading it in the other countries around the world where it's spreading? No, they're not. So that's an example, a very simple example of um, the bias and, and what kind of effects it can cause. It can cause ignorance um, and also divisions. A lot of the divisions that we see in society, for example, those people taking our jobs is a very common one. When media print things about certain groups taking jobs and certain groups um, going without things, that can cause massive divisions. It can spiral out of control and cause riots, wars, all sorts of things. Um, it can be quite dangerous um, having that kind of bias reporting and those kind of misleading headlines and things like that. And to add to that, um, what Carla was saying, the original wretched, the original thing was, oh, it's like a white person's problem with the, with the. Even when I was talking to my son's mum in Africa, she was saying, oh, um, that's a European problem. Um, that's a European sickness, the same way Europeans always have said AIDS is an African problem. And it was very interesting. But what they don't take into consideration is that in England, the lot of the cleaning jobs or the, excuse me, or in the medical industry, the hands-on jobs, the jobs where you're also facing people. The frontline jobs. Yeah, thank you. Are done by people who are black or Asian and things like that. And also, if you're, if you, if your parents, for instance, when your our parents came to this country, it was all about work, work, work. It wasn't about leisure life and gym and all of these kind of things. So all those things have an impact on your health later on in life. But if you actually look at it, who are the best athletes on the planet? So how comes that would really affect us in that way if we're the, the healthier or the stronger group of people? But they push all that aside and they just go with a wretched. And that wretched makes them feel comfortable, makes them feel more superior, and um, they run with it. Okay, nothing. Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say two things. One is that a, a when people bring out like a media bias that can make people go that way, I, I don't believe that. I believe those people are already that way, all right? They're already that way. They just want that reinforcement. Okay, that gives them the the uh, courage to come out, so to speak. It gives them more energy. So that quote unquote bias, it's it's very directed to give a certain group of people that courage to come out. So uh, second number to So for example, uh, on the COVID one, right? And then it, um, a bias can be amplified. So let's say if a public figure, hey, let's use COVID. Uh, it came from China, right? So what did the president of the United States at the time say, Donald Trump? It's that Chinese disease, okay? It's that Asian disease. So if you were an Asian person, and in the United States, Asian does not mean Indian. Um, so you became a target for any kind of prejudice, bias, or you're the people with that disease. So again, the media bias can be amplified, just like getting shared, but when a public figure that has a lot of authority, 
that's held in high esteem repeats that, but then it goes out even more on that. And uh, over to you, Victor and Matilda. Yeah, Matilda, go ahead. You know, uh, even talking about these things is a luxury. Some countries, they don't even believe their med medias at all because they know that the government lies to them so much that it's nothing that comes out of the media they believe. That one of the countries is Iran. Um, I remember when I was, uh, I was in Iran, 2020, uh, 8th of January, that I had to leave the country. And the airplane and a Ukrainian plane uh, crashed. Uh, and then everyone was questioning what's happening. The Iranian government was saying, oh, Boeing had a problem. But uh, thank God that Ukraine and some other countries, or I think France, forced Iran to do an investigation. And, then at, and one week later, they said, oh, Iran, Iranians hit their own plane. And hundreds of young people died because they thought America is, I don't know, attacking or something. So it's, or other, other elements every day, there are people in, their, in some countries that they don't believe anything about the media. At least in America, some people can believe something about it. And it's a luxury. I mean, we have to realize what, which kind of a world we are living in. Right. So, Matilda, but just to go on. So this is like the secondary and third order effects, right? So why did the Iranians do that? Because Iran is worried about Israel attacking it. So they're already paranoid. The messages coming out of Israel, we're going to hit you if you keep on doing work on your nuclear uh, program, tip stop. So this kind of media disinformation, media bias already made those guys more paranoid than they already are. So that's a that's a tragic secondary tertiary effect that this Ukrainian airliner got shot down by them because they thought that they were under attack. Yeah. Yeah. What I would say, what I would say is, um, okay, um, Hala, um, not Hala, Kala, you mentioned something about sensation when the news, when you think it's sensational. Do you think these, uh, when you think when the news is so, is so sensational, it shuts down our rational thinking of like, okay, hold on a minute. Are you sure? Absolutely. And I think Nelson made a good point earlier where he said that those people are not made biased by what they read. People are never made biased by what they read. The, the, what they read feeds into their existing biases and their emotions. And that's what sensationalism is about. It's about um, tapping into the emotions of people by being over dramatic and not factual, um, as in the case of some of the journalism we've seen around the pandemic, for example. A lot of it has been very emotionally loaded. And sometimes as well, it's been it's been designed to steer away from the facts or the topic at hand. For example, recently in the media, we've been seeing a lot of debates about the British prime minister and how fit he is for the job um, and whether or not he should stay in his position because of the way that he handled some um, issues during COVID, the lockdown. He was supposed to have had parties and things during the lockdown. And whenever he's been questioned about it, there's been these sort of sensational spins where everything, the conversation is taken in another direction as something emotional is thrown in um, to avoid answering the question at hand. But also I saw um, a report that was the other side as well. People were trying to convince um, the viewers that um, he should go, he should be taken out of his job. And instead of focusing on the facts of why as a politician, what he had done was wrong, 
what they'd done is um, they'd brought an example in this short piece of journalism about a child that had died of cancer during the lockdown. And um, I remember I was watching it with my daughter and I was like, oh, why have they brought that example? Because it had nothing to do with the facts. And it was clearly just put in there to tug at the heartstrings of people and say, oh, look, this is why we should fire him because there were people dying all over the country at the time when he was having a party. And that it just didn't seem necessary. And it was very sensational and very emotionally loaded and definitely designed just to convince the viewer that we should fire the prime minister without looking at any of the facts um, and without looking at the, the balance of both sides of what would happen if he was removed. That wasn't mentioned. Who would replace him wasn't mentioned. What the fallout from that, from changing the prime minister uh, would mean. Um, none of those issues were covered. It was all about just get rid of him because people have been dying, um, you know, and the example was a kid. It was so extreme. It was a child that had died of cancer, which, you know, it's, that's what sensationalism does. It tugs at the heartstrings and is, you know, over dramatic and, you know, over the top, basically. And you've got to also look at the factor there. It wasn't him on his own having a party. There was a lot of people and they were all politicians. So if one goes, they all go. But we've got to have, they have their agenda. So they think, yeah, let's topple the head and we can move in. Just like drug dealing, you know, and that kind of thing. But I just want to point out something. Um, when we talk about agendas, the Joe public can't fund the BBC. But Bill and Melinda Gates can. They're the only private, there's a list here I've got, I could have done a screen share, but I won't bother. But they're the only private people who can. The other are like the Global Affairs for Canada, people who are within the Commonwealth. But Bill and Melinda Gates could give the maximum amount of money. And it also doesn't point out the other avenues of how you funnel money to an organization. So let's say using Bill and Melinda Gates as an example, their foundation, they would have funded, have other arms and other tentacles that can come in and fund BBC in another way as well. Now, this is not just done with one, one news channel. This is done throughout news channels. There are eight major media conglomerates, and they all have, as a pyramid system, they all have many media avenues under there, from Vice News, Fox News, Sky News, and all this kind of thing. And every one is a, oh, just like human beings has their agenda because the person at the top or the people it's usually one person at the top you've got james turner for um excuse me for cnn has a political view and they want to protect their assets and their interests but then my argument would be and i'm not sure if this is jumping ahead that why is any corporation funding the news if the news is meant to be neutral no one should be allowed to fund it and then Joe Public is going to be told more of the truth. Yeah. Um, I have some comments to to uh, read. We have Sasha Serge Fakarian. Thank you for tuning in, Sasha, and supporting us as always. He's saying, do you think information are useful for people or is it just a part of human comedy? And he continues. Socrates like Socrates, um, filters are perhaps the best philosophical views on the informations. Is it true? Is it useful? 
Is it kind? And then we have a new person joining us today, I believe. And Kari Kariuki, thank you for tuning in, Anne. And he's saying, wow, it's so true reading and or watching those, those tech bias. It feeds into an already existing bias, mind blown. Yeah, our mm -hmm. mind is blown too. <laughs> yeah, um, Hala, just riding on the back of what Nelson and um, Carla just um, mentioned about feeding into our existing bias. And Simon just said, there's no about free media. Mm. Media should not be sponsored or be like backed up. Do you think there's any free 100% news agency? 100% across the board? Yes, I do think we can have always hope for finding uh, freedom of expressing ourselves and information. Uh, you have the podcast, you have a, a lot of podcasts now out there. They are multiplying now in the world and you have a lot of uh, topics that could be uh, main um, broadcasted from from the podcast itself, uh, and I think it's harder and harder to to find the truth because, as Simon say also, you have also the fact checkers, <laughs> and the fact checkers <laughs> are mainly funded by Google and uh, some organization like Bill Gates and Melinda organization. You have uh, a fact checker was funded in 1995. It's called Snoopers. And that fact checker <laughs> um, was founded by someone called David Mickelson. So he, was, he doesn't have any background in journalism or any training records. He founded with his wife. Uh, and in 2015, his wife sued him for uh, spending money in prostitute and embezzling money. And um, the slogan of his, I have the slogan of his, um, of his uh, snooper uh, fact checker. Um, they say is like they promote it as the internet's go to source for discerning what is true and what is total nonsense. And they say if you wanted to check what's the internet uh, telling you right, just go to snooper. So, and also this kind of fact checker is relied by Google. So uh, actually, there are a lot of fact checkers that are um, like this. We have another one. I don't know if I have the name. Um, you have another one. It was also funded by uh, Melinda and Bill Gates Foundation. Um, I think that's Pointer Poli Institute. Uh, yeah. Poli PoliTifact. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the right name. So actually, I don't know how we can find good information on Google, actually, because uh, we say that it's a global uh, engine to search for everything. But there are a lot of things that doesn't make sense anymore in the search engine. Yeah, uh, I would say, Simon, who, who, who fact checks? How do we, how do we verify facts? Uh, uh, you know what? I think I will actually screen share this one here <laughs> because yeah. this is going to be very interesting. I see, see Nelson smiling there. Um, where are we? Okay. If you notice on here, I'm not sure, can't, 
if you're at home, you could probably tap on your phone and zoom in. Well, we've got the, the main line here says these fact checkers, this obviously this is the European Parliament, these fact checkers with direct links to the left wing media and journalists dedicate themselves to censoring opinions and news for ide ideological reasons without the intervention of a judge. So, which I, it's, it's quite interesting really, because what that, look at Nelson looking forward <laughs> Excuse me, um, which is quite interesting because I'm thinking it down now, Nelson. I don't want you to share your eyes, which is quite interesting because what it's really saying is like, can you can you can you share the link with us? Okay, who yeah. are the, who are those people? Who like what gives them the authority to decide what is real and what is not? Your businessmen, that's it. That's like a bunch of housewives going. Well, we think this and therefore it's a fact okay let me just say for the housewives that are <laughs> listening to us we like you that comment was not meant to disparage any housewives we like the housewives right now most housewives are listening to us we like the housewives okay all right simon back to you okay so and obviously uh has already pointed out which is all right, some of the people who finance the fact-checkers. George Soros, Bill and, Bill and Melinda Gates. Who gets blamed for everything. Yeah, you know, just the main, what do they call it, the usual suspects. They get blamed <laughs> for everything. <laughs> it's like, that's all I can say. It's the usual suspects. Whatever you want to believe their agenda is or is not, is down to the individual. I'm not here to condemn anybody. I'm not here to say they're bad or good or whatever, even though Bill and Melinda Gates Fund did try and take uh, 250 children out of Africa in a container, but that got suppressed. For what? I don't know. But, uh, okay, so, illegally. so, so but Victor, I'm, that's another conversation. <laughs> okay, so Victor, I'm going to just jump in here. So this is like almost like an example and this is two parts. One, almost an example of media bias slash yellow journalism. So we need to see proof of this. We need to have reporting of I have this. to show you the truth. Oh, this uh, is the European Union. No, that was, a, Parliament, sorry. that was a thread where someone asked questions. Okay, there was no follow-up to those questions. It's somebody says, hey, this thing is, we think this thing. We think it's George Soros, Bill and Melinda Gates. It needs to be a little bit more than that, okay? So, what are you saying now, Nelson? Simon, just a minute, Nelson. Oh. What are you saying? Okay, so it, it just can't be an allegation. Somebody puts an allegation, um, Wait. it's just like, well, they just Wait. put it in that, that chat that the European Union chat, okay? So, an allegation that it's it's George Soros, it's mm -hmm. Bill and Melinda Gates, who gets blamed for everything, by the way. Is, so, okay, okay, that's that's Simon. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? No, yeah, that's part of the thing. You know what? To be honest, I hear what Nelson's saying, and he's not wrong to say that. There's so much information out there. I picked one thing out of many. I could have given you lots of different pages, yeah, but we're a short show of who owns Facebook, who who funds this, and who funds that. Nelson can obviously do his research if he doesn't believe uh, what we're saying. But at the end of the day, the audience can happily look out for themselves. 
I've shown you something. I can tell you I've got the CNN who are in CNN, who are in Fox News, what companies, what subsidiaries, and all that information, because it's quite fascinating also. And it's good to know who's funding what. But the fact that Bill Gates spent 300, 300 million last year on funding media channels, and he doesn't own one, so, but, but business doesn't fund something yeah, in their own fist. But you see, my question would be is, where is the documentation to show this 300 million? Okay, and Nelson, by mm -hmm. all means, you can find that yourself. No, 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 no. But, but, you, but you see, uh -huh. Uh -huh. if you're not happy with what I'm providing, you can do a counter research, which in turn you should have done because we, you knew we were going to come to this point, but you but didn't. But, but Simon, my... bear me, bear me. But okay. you're, you're just digging into what I'm showing, but you haven't uh -huh. done any work yourself. So do some work, then come to me. So Simon, that, that, I have a Simon, that, from well, you hold on guys. a second, Matilda. Oh, hold on a second, Matilda. That, that is the counter research. Is if no, we're going to talk, if, 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 so, if somebody's going to say Bill and Melinda Gates this, Bill and Melinda Gates that, they got to show it. You know, they, they got it. It's like if I said Martians, oh, Martians appeared in my backyard. All right, I can't wait, say. Wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Okay, uh, okay, I have a okay. Um, yeah. From all uh, of Matilda, you guys. Matilda, go ahead. If I have an agenda in the world, am I stupid to show my face? Okay, sorry. I will do it underneath for uh, no one to understand who's controlling what. Who's controlling Bill Gates? There's another people who control Bill Gates. There are other people who are controlling the leaders. They're all the puppets. And we think, I don't know, Bill Gates does, does that, Macron does that. There's other behind people who are controlling the whole uh, functionality of the world. So maybe we need to question something deeper. Who is controlling the world and where they are directing? And they're using Bill Gates. They're using, I don't know, Trump. They're using uh, other countries' leaders or even um, Putin to uh, show who's controlling the world. But behind is the anonymous group that controls it. And we have to understand who they are. Is it Freemason, like the 34th layer? I don't know, they have different layers. Maybe that's the case. And then we will understand why we had even, uh, why we had COVID-19. What was the reason behind it? Okay. I don't think it's a case of um, finding out. That's a deep rabbit hole, Matilda. And usually, is, anything, if you follow the money, you find out who does what. That is, that is deep. But yeah, it's very deep. But there are very rich people, very rich and powerful people that they're anonymous. And anonymousness is the real luxury. Yes. How many leaders we know that their son we know that they had a son, but we don't know who they are. And they, we know that they control because they have a lot of money. But we don't know who, how they look like, so we don't know which airports they are, what they're doing. So I'm sure there are groups in the world that are controlling everything and they're using public figures like Tesla, I don't know, um, uh, Bill Gates, Microsoft, I think, I to... Think to I think you're win, right, Matilda. To you, control uh, people. I can no, add something. Have this kind of a you know what and you're doing. Just a second, just a second Simon. Hala, what do you want to add? just want to add what Matilda said because that's true. Because, for example, the guy who invented Bitcoin, he just published the research paper about Bitcoin and, 
and the mechanism of it and he never he's never here you can't see you can't know who he is actually you don't know his face his origin so he they just published a paper under his name and we don't know that person and that's luxury because he can yes. travel wherever he wants he can do whatever he wants and no one knows who he is Yeah. yeah. Bill Gates, if he goes somewhere, a lot of people will come after him. Media will come. I mean, that's not luxury. If you got security, can you go to the comments, please? Yes. So we have Anne Kariuki. Are is she French? Yeah. Yes, I think Hello. so. Anne is. How do you French. pronounce? How do you pronounce? Because I want to pronounce it French. I think it's Anne Kariuki. It's, um, that is, um, I think it's the first name. The first name is French. Anne. Anne. I think, I Anne think Kariuki. Is that yes. in Paris? I have to pronounce it French way. No, media and social media is not free as long as there is sponsorship. It eventually leads to pandering. Sasha is saying the real question is more what is freedom? I know you would come up with that question, Sasha. Freedom is not the absence of limits. It's the choice of those boundaries. Freedom is related to choice. Then we have a new person joining us tonight, Drakram uh, Emar. The media game The media game is not limited to the hidden hands behind false news, whether political or non-political, but includes all media and artistic activi activities, including films and entertainment channels. Very true. And this is what Sasha said. This is what Anne said. And um, uh, Anne Oh, uh, and Dekram is continuing. All these hides behind sources of support and funding for various goals. Very true. And Anne is correcting my pronunciation, I guess, about her last name. Or no, he she is from... She's in Kenya. She's in Kenya. She's from Kenya. Yeah. Anne Kariuki. Yeah. Now you said it right, Anne Kariuki. Now you said it right, Matilda. I think uh, so. And Matilda. <laughs> no, you are her, saying it right. Um, and, and Matilda, her initials are AK, all right? So, all right, let's... No, but I like to pronounce people's name. It's essential for... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll, give you, I'll give, you, give you an example, though. Um, the CNN guy, Ted Turner, he Wait, raised... Simon, Simon, before you go, before you go into the... Nelson, you've seen you've seen who's funding who from the link BBC link. Are you okay with that? You know what? I, I oh, guess yeah. what we have to go with. We have about. to. Are you okay again? with? Are you okay with that? Yes or no? We said. Well, well I'm, close, I'm the close question. Are you okay with that? Am I okay with it? No. Yeah. You asked me a question. I'm gonna give you the answer. Okay. So what I'd like to go is you got to look at why, right? Why is the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation doing oh, it? That, okay. Hold on no, a second. That wasn't the point, Nelson. The point was what Victor's asking, uh -huh. are you happy with that evidence that they are funding yeah. the CDC? That's all he's the why, asking. You see, the why, the, why? The, the why, I'm not sure you can tell me the why they're funding the BBC. Uh -huh. Because you don't know him. Because well, I don't actually, know. 
Hold on, hold on, hold on. See, see, Nelson did his research. You see, Nelson did his, you have to look at their charter. In their charter, they're supposed to be doing that. That is part of their charter, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation charter. Do you have a link to that, Nelson? Do I have a link to it? We don't have yeah. the bandwidth right now to go to that link. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Nelson, don't do homework. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. Nelson, Nelson did so much homework, he knows we don't have enough bandwidth. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. just like the CNN guy who owns CNN and amongst many other channels, subsidiaries, he raised a hundred million in 2021. But, but, but now, if you think of that, that's a lot of people financing or is it a lot of organizations? But, but anyway, Nelson, please. Okay, okay. Hey, my hand's just up, you know. Okay, okay. So <laughs> there's a lot of people financing with agendas. And the, I, the, if you think about it, if you're taking all that money in as an organization, all those agendas have to be in line because otherwise you're going to be countering and people say there's no point funding you. But back to you, Victor. Yeah, um, we've spoken about fact checkers now. So next, uh, Nelson, do you, yeah, think, so do you think, do you think, no, let me ask you this question now. Do you think we need to have, do you think we need to question mainstream media? You need people we should actually check what they're saying. Well, I mean, you have a couple of things, okay? You should always... There should always be a sense of curiosity to find out what's going on, right? What's the first effect? What's the secondary effect of things that are happening? It, it's like reporting on the weather, right? Uh, if they say it's going to rain, for some people, rain means that it's horrible. They can't go to the beach. They can't go on vacation. For other people, let's say farmers and there's a drought, rain is what they want. They want rain for their crops. So you, you have to kind of have that curiosity. What's the impact of this on me? What's the impact on me? How will this help me? How will this hurt me? Kind of going back to the BBC article, okay, the question I would be asking would be, is USAID, which is a branch of the US government for foreign policy, USAID funding of the BBC, that's the question I would be asking. Okay. So you have to look at their charters. Why are they doing this? You know, why does the USA, USAID fund Voice of America? You know, so again, we have to go behind, not just go with the sensationalism of, you know, Bill and Melinda Gates are the horrible people. Okay. We have to kind of go behind that and go, what's their charter? Why are they doing that? Back to you, Victor and Simon. Nelson, say hi yeah. to Uncle Bugit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nelson, I'm, Nelson, I'm, Nelson. I'm, I'm, I'm still waiting on that check from the CIA, personally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still waiting on that check, you know. Okay, yeah. so obviously we've gone into fact checkers here and we are actually looking at who's financed fact checkers, facts, sorry, fact checkers for the last 2021 um, year. And the list goes on. And see, by the way, this National Station of Black Journalists is a different... I watched a documentary on that. I won't bother going into that, but it's not quite what it perceives to be in certain ways. Before Nelson goes off... <laughs> 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 
But this is just to give you an insight that if you've got enough money, you can throw it someone's way and you can get more money through influence of the public. But anyway, back to you, the, uh, Victor. Oh, go on, Carla. Sorry, um, Victor's show. Yeah, <laughs> I, was just, I was just thinking of a question, really, about why we've got to this point in life that we need so much information to make a decision. It just sounds ridiculous to say, oh, that we've got such a thing as fact checkers. I think that just goes to show how obsessed we've become with making the perfect decision. And there is no perfect decision, but people think there is. And it's become like a multi, um, you know, faceted uh, thing where you can actually convince people. Um, and it's worth money to convince people that having uh, all your facts straight is an actual possibility um, and that making perfect decisions or that it even matters you know, that, that all this information even matters to us in order to make decisions. I personally got to a point where I use less and less information now before I make a decision, because very rarely does it change the decision that I was going to make in the first place. And I think that comes, I don't know if that comes with age, if it comes with maturity, if it comes with confidence, I don't know what it comes with, but it's very rare that whatever I say I'm going to do or decide in the beginning gets changed the more information I get given. Um, all the information serves to do is to confuse um, and to give me doubts um, and to, to, to lengthen the time that it makes me to make a takes me to make a decision. Um, I think that we have to think about that. Why do we need all this information and what door have we opened up and to who um, by needing so much information in order to make a decision? Yeah, it is. It is. These decisions, you know, the last, oh. give me... Um, go ahead, Matilda. Sorry, we have a couple of uh, comments coming in. Yeah? Yes. No, I mean one, one, one word uh, to contribute to what um, Carla just said. Given the past 24 months of this pandemic, we were bombarded and we had countless back and forth with the supposed people that, that are supposed to know and those who are not supposed to know. So it's a back and forth thing. So I think that's where all these fact checkers started coming out from the woodworks. Go ahead, Matilda. See, guys, it's important to pronounce people's name in a right way. It's essential. See, Annie's approving of it too. Thank you, Matilda. Matilda is essential pronunciation, but no fouls. Loving the discussion. We are and loving to have you here. Hope you're going to come to other episodes of ours, and I make sure my other co-hosts will read your name perfectly. Because we love Kenya. And Dr. Akram, it's beautiful to have you here. I don't know why I was reading the Rakram. Boom, sorry. But uh, happy to be happy to have you here. I think you signed in with a different name. That's why I didn't remember. And yes, you're Dr. Akram. And uh, I faced some challenges and technical issues. And um, I'm happy that you are here and we missed you. We missed your comments and um, that's it. We're happy you're here. Thank you. All right, great, great. So um, let me just ask Simon this question before we start like thinking of running up. Do you think these this information that is coming out, are they inevitable in disseminating information, knowledge? Do you think we actually need this type of knowledge, biased knowledge, 
to actually push us towards that certain direction? Do you think we need this knowledge? That's an interesting question. I'd say this. Publics can be railed up very easily over the history, when you look at history. Revolutions, lynchings, mobs, all these. French revolutions are a prime example. Obviously, people got were starving as well. But the rumour was that she had lots of cakes. The Queen has lots of cake, Mary Antoinette. I think it's May Internet, and people got upset, and it went, it just blew out of proportion. So, if you're a, and, and obviously you've got anybody, if you've got a business, you want to stay on top, and um, you want, you need to work with people or governments or other things to keep that stability. They don't bring in a new, I used to work for a construction company, for instance, and they used to have a lord, and they pay him a million pounds a year, and he didn't do anything. But all he did, it sounds contradictory, was give them snippets of information um, if a new law was coming on that would affect the construction industry so they could get on top of it before it actually came into play. Do you see what I mean? And things like that. So, but my question, I'd say this, in answer to your question, I don't personally believe we need as much information as we're given. And if you notice the way the news is done, and let's say on the mainstream, they pump out one, two, three-minute story again and again and again and again, whether it's Trump, whether it's Biden, for instance, over there, whether it's um, our guy here, Boris, and his parties. But they never talk about the real factor. And the real factor for us with the parties situation was if COVID that's bad and you're the man of all the knowledge and you've got a newborn baby in the house, why are you bringing all your work colleagues around to have a party? That's the real fact. But no one discussed that because of whatever be the reason. And there was smoke screens of all this other little sensational stuff. Those who pay attention, pay attention, have a conversation about it. Those who are not interested have just given up on the news. A lot of people have given up on the news. And this is why yeah. they resort to Joe Rogan, for example, because he will have all the people who are suppressed from speaking and allow them have a platform to speak. Yeah, and speaking of Joe Rogan, I think he's having he's having a flack with um, Spotify now. For me, I'm being I'm no longer interested that much with the news, so I pick and choose which type of news. Why do we watch the news in the first place? Do you watch the news, Carla? Uh, Carla, do you watch the news? No, I I don't watch the news actually. I just watch like first two minutes and just I switch off the news. Why not? <laughs> Because nowadays, you... if you see, like, everything has been weaponized. And if you just say anything against what the media and what everything, if you say anything against the government or what's happening between in the last two years, everyone will label you as unvaccinated, conspiracy theory, uh, anti this, anti that. And actually, the mainstream media created those terms, the conspiracy theory and the anti and the anti everything. So if we are um, not agreeing with some kind of uh, a narrative, we are always labeled with this kind of anti-stuff. So, for example, if I go and don't eat some kind of food, that doesn't mean that I'm anti-food. It's just I don't like this kind of food. So I don't like this kind of information. So um, I just I do think is need to do our critical thinking about what we consume as information and uh, 
Well, you said you said something very heavy just now. You say you think it's weaponized. Nelson, do you think do you think it's it's actually weaponized? <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's it's always been weaponized in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Um, it's always because again, um, the the question is is people will gravitate to what makes them feel good and what will reinforce something that they already believe. Okay, people don't like to be challenged. So um, some people enjoy the crazier the theory, the more they want to get into it. I mean, that's just some people. They're, they're drawn to that. Um, but the, the issue, I guess, that's part of that's As human beings, we are wired to like negative stuff, okay? We're wired to, to like the, you know, the boogeyman is underneath the bed kind of thing. So that's the first thing. The, the second thing is, you know, why are we bombarded with news? Because people like to consume it. I mean, before, there wasn't 24-hour news channels. That's something that a lot of folks, I guess, don't remember. There was a time when you got the news either first thing in the morning or in the evening, and that was it. But right after the first, or during the first Gulf War, I might say, is when we got hooked on to, I got to find out what's happening at 1.30 in the morning or 1.30 in the afternoon. And it would just be repeating and a small change so part of what feeds this is the 24-hour news channel, right? And that's kind of across the board. I mean, it used to be, again, it was first thing in the morning and in the evening. In the U.S., it was the local, excuse me, it was the national news first, guys like Dan Rather and Walter Cronkite. That was first for an hour, period. And then they would have 10 minutes, even less, to say, this is an editorial, and the screen in the background would be totally gray or something. It wouldn't even talk about, it was the, this is our opinion. But the first 50 minutes was as factual as they could get it. 10 minutes of, this is our opinion. And then the rest was local news, you know, man bites dog kind of thing. So that has changed to the 24-hour news channel, which is a big, which they got to put something in there for people to consume. Yeah, well, Mike, um... Okay, thank you, thank you for that, Nelson. I just want to add, Victor. Sorry, I like the way Nelson says about some people are wired to love crazy news, but you also get a lot of people who are wired on the other side just to hear stuff that makes them feel comfortable and doesn't burst their little bubble that they live in. So the government's perfect. This is good. This is that, and those people over there are crazy, and you're okay because you're with us. And just take this injection or do whatever. So you get two sides to every corner. Wired. Yeah, and I think and I think what uh, what um, um... <laughs> oh yeah, I think what Anne is saying here is um, I think it's correct because yeah, let me read. Shall I read? Yes, please. And it's saying. There is such a thing as too much information leads to confusion, maddening one to the point of short circusing. Yeah, and that is why, and that is why, Hal, I just just watched just a little bit and turned it off. And me, I yeah, still on Google. I had to like subscribe to the actual news that I actually want from Google. So I just like click, click, click. I want to see, see three type of news. And that is it. I don't want to see any other things. So 
it kind of scrapes the web and send me the type of news that I want. I think that saves me some headache, and as well as YouTube, you know. And also, guys, if you are enjoying this show, if you love this show, don't forget to hit the like button on YouTube, even on Facebook, like us on Facebook, and don't forget to share, you know, click on the notification button and so that the next time it comes to you automatically. Yeah, now we're rounding up. Um, so how do you guys, how do you guys like engage with the mainstream media now, given the bombardment of the last 24 months, the so much confusion coming in, lots of information. You can actually have an MBA, do an MBA in less than a week on COVID last year. So, <laughs> yeah, you can actually have an MBA doing, um, in less than a week doing, uh, during the pandemic. So how do you guys engage with the news now? I will say this, Victor. I watch Al Jazeera. I like there's a Russian channel, Russian Today, because that's really extreme the other way. It's like anti-West. And I like to see that so I can balance that out with Sky News, CNN and Fox News. But I watch Al Jazeera because they've got no interest in telling me a rhetoric for my part of the world. They will have for their Arab part of the world, which I'm doesn't concern me. So I feel that's more neutral. And they're also Al Jazeera talks about other places in the world which I've never heard of, or it's interesting to know how people are living, that it's just interesting. Yeah, Matilda, how do you engage? Well, um, I, lived in, I lived my life before coming here in Paris, uh, 10 years of uh, TV free. So I never lived in a house that there was a TV. I'm against TV. And I don't like it, but Sasha has a TV, so I don't know. We open it sometimes. I hate the fact that humans watch TV or they are focusing on the news. Obviously, with COVID situation, you have to watch the news. I mean, we watch the news a lot. And I think every time uh, there was a negative feeling that was coming in to my psyche. And um, I think the way that you control your house, you don't want um, strangers to come inside. You should control your um, information that comes in. You should never allow somebody to, or information to ruin your energy of your self. But um, maybe just online, watch a couple of things that you like to know about a country. Obviously, you cannot not watch news at all. But just online, watch a couple of things that you want to know. But don't turn on the TV. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Hala, do you turn on the TV? <laughs> well, um, I'm the opposite of Matilda because um, when I was young, I, well, I traveled in the Middle East and then I came to Europe after it. And uh, we have lived in the hysteria of the news. When I was in Lebanon, all things about the war, the Israel, and you can't imagine, like, we were very young and we're seeing this kind of stuff and uh, this kind of events happening. So that was really a scary moment for us. And after it, you know, a lot of news happened in the Middle East. And then when I came to Europe, actually, the first, the first uh, five years, I didn't have a TV. And I was just really, 
don't know anything. There was like the Arab Spring I wasn't really aware of when I when I left Egypt. And everybody's like, turn on the news, you don't see anything. And everything was like upside down in, in Cairo. And I was really not paying attention to all of that. And people were very scared about it. And um, I think that we don't need TV. There are a lot of alternative media like podcasts. Freedom Platform, you can see it in London Real. You have a lot of documentary about uh, the fact checkers, uh, who owns the media. And you have a lot of um, independent journalists and a lot of people who can uh, give you that information without going to the mainstream media. So I think now you have the choice to choose uh, where you direct yourself um, rather than just opening the news. Yeah, that's good. You know, Sid? Well, we had so many questions. Can you just repeat the question? Yeah, what, are, what the question was, how do you engage with the news right now, with the news, with the mainstream media now? How do you engage? Uh, with discernment and very carefully. Um, so, again, I go back to, it's just like a, being on a buffet line, right? If a person eats everything on the buffet line, they're going to get fat. Uh, you know, the body's going to be uh, bloated. So it's not a good idea. It's the same way with the news, right? If a person says, I need to know everything. No, you don't need to know everything. Is it nice to know? Maybe. Um, so it has to be with a lot of discernment. Like, hey, what's, what is it important to me to what I want to accomplish in my life, my family, that I need to know about? So I'll watch financial news, financial reporting, um, that I'll watch because that's that talks about, you know, first order, second order effects, um, how the information was gathered, the impact to me, to other groups. So that is important. Um, so that's how I, I use the news. Also, um, it's important, you know, a lot of folks don't travel, right? So if a person doesn't travel and hasn't been overseas, um, they're, they're even even if the news is is unbiased as can be, they have a very difficult frame of reference, right? So let's say a person has never traveled to somewhere cold, and they say it's snowing in Alaska. That person that can say, "Oh my goodness, it's horrible! It's snowing in Alaska." No, it's Alaska. It's supposed to be snowing in Alaska. So if a person doesn't have a you know kind of left home, so to speak. Anything is going to seem like a threat. Anything will seem like it's bad, right? And uh, and as far as there being kind of unbiased news sources, you got to remember, I mean, we like sensationalism as human beings. Um, we have two very good news sources in the United States that I, that I like. NPR, which is a type of super giant podcast of National Public Radio. Um, and it is almost a podcast uh, style, by the way. And the other one is C-SPAN which is as dry and as boring as can be, but it's about as unbiased as can be. So, um, and then of course there's Al Jazeera that was mentioned by Simon, which is very good. Um, and, and just as an aside, if you look at something like Al Jazeera, to me, I think that the most unbiased as far as possible. Um, Al Jazeera actually showed when the 9-11 uh, attacks happened, they were showing it totally unbiased on the impact and believe it or not, Al Jazeera helped the United States a huge amount because it was so uh, unbiased. It was a huge amount. 
because Al Jazeera did not say this country, that country. It said these people, and this is the impact that it had. So um, it is possible to have really good news and have it be as minimal on bias as possible. Wow. I like the word you use. You, you say you use the media. Um, um, Carla, do you use the news? Do you use the news? Like you know, the way Nelson just said it. How do you engage? Um, I browse it um, a couple of times a week. I might just browse multiple sites. Um, sometimes my daughter will put it on and it will kind of stimulate the discussion. And to be honest, we laugh a lot when we watch uh, British news. We just laugh. It's like comedy to us. Um, and then by the time it gets on the loop, um, if you watch it for long enough, you'll notice a loop uh, where they give you the whatever it is they're going to give you for that day. And then after a certain number of minutes or so, it starts to loop around and around. Um, so I just kind of browse it and then get off um, because there is no, it doesn't offer me any anything that I need in order to make decisions. And once I'd noticed that a few years ago, I just stopped engaging with it and, and using it at all because I just don't feel like it is for me to use. I feel like it is um, for something else. What it's for, that's up to the people who make it, but it's not, it doesn't help me. Um, actually, news to me is what I find out in my community because that's what directly affects me. So I might get news at the nail salon, I might get news at the school gate, um, I might get news at church, I might get news at community groups where I go, um, I might get news when I go to meet my friends for coffee. And that kind of news is going to be something that is going to affect my life. If there's a school closure, for example, Google can't help me with that. I need to get that if the snow comes down tomorrow, for example, in my area and the school's closed. I'm not going to find that out online as fast as I would find it out if I go on WhatsApp and say to the other mums, hey, is school open today? Um I find that kind of news much more engaging and much more interesting. But global news, I, I have no interest in what's happening in America. It doesn't affect me directly. Um, and it may have effects on me if it's a big thing, but I, I've lost interest in that kind of news a long time ago. Mm, that's very, very interesting perspective. So local local peer-to-peer -peer, um, disinformation of information. Oh, okay, that's that's interesting. Yeah. We have uh, two comments from Dr. Akram. Okay, quick one. Just just one minute so we'll round up. Yes. So Dr. Akram is supposed he's saying, suppose we check the media sites with large numbers of followers, often services provided to funders in direct or indirect ways. We find very few of them that are entirely independent. He continues. Uh, even the case of the Moroccan child, Ryan, some of the media took advantage of it. The case is in the interest of the media scoop rather than saving the child alive. Hmm. That's very interesting. And um, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Akram, for, you know, for after losing all your stuff and finding your way back to us. We really appreciate you for, for hanging out with us. Um, Sasha, you know, top man as usual. Um, our number one fan, nursing book is coming to you. Um, I have the mandate to say that, yeah. And also, and thank you for engaging, Michael. Mike, thank you as well, yeah. And for all our other, you know, listeners or watchers, we say thank you very much. You know, next week, 
it will be about mining minerals, the rise in the cost of fuel, and other impacts, and other and the others that impacts global use of mobile phones, um, crypto mining, computers, and electric cars, and so on. That is what we'll be talking about next week, which is the price of technological progress. That is what we'll be talking about next week, and it's going to be our lovely Carla who will be hosting us next week. So you guys, you know when she's on the mic, you can't check out, you can't tune out. So don't forget, just subscribe and put on the notification bell if you are on YouTube and Facebook. Just share, just share, just keep sharing and invite your friends. We speak about so many, so many wonderful stuff, diverse topics here. And before we round up for today, I just want my co-host to like reintroduce themselves and where you can find your podcast before we go. Carla, quick one. Where can we reach you? Uh, Wonder and Wellbeing Podcast. Um, it's best to contact me by email at the moment. Contact me at wonderandwellbeingpodcast at gmail.com. Excellent. Nancy? And here at Investing in America, um, episodes coming out, and we'll be coming out with our Spanish channel for our listeners in latin america and spain all right what about you simon taxi chronicles and africa investor stories both interesting um interesting podcasts that can be listened to on most majority of all platforms um back to you um matilda and uh, my podcast is coffee with matilda a journey to south you can find it in our podcasters platform, podcast platforms, and YouTube and Facebook. And I don't know who's left, Kaula. Kaula, yeah. yes, the last is the best. <laughs> so the podcast from the stories, uh, you can check it on different uh, podcast platforms and Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, excellent, excellent. So, and for me, I am the Diaspora Entrepreneurs Podcast host. You can find me on YouTube, um, Spotify, um, yeah, all major platforms. You can find me there. Yeah, and also, if you enjoy this show, don't forget to like and subscribe again. And, you know, tell your friends and just hang out with us every Monday, 7 p.m. British Standard Time, 8 p.m. West African Time, also European Time as well. 2 p.m. East Coast time. And until next week, we'll say bye for now. Bye-bye, guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>